welcome to another edition of Mr. Nice Guy. Uh, I'm Ben Slowey, and I'm joined uh, on this beautiful Sunday afternoon uh, by an old friend uh, who I've known uh, since college, real sweetheart. Uh, we haven't seen each other in a long time, uh, but it's always been a treat, like every time, you know, we've seen each other in passing. So I'm excited to sit down and talk to her a little bit about, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about like mental health and uh, different facets of it. We'll just leave it at that to start. Uh, but uh, thank you very much for joining me, Haley Keene. Absolutely. I'm so glad that we get to sit down and do this. Mm. So am I. Uh, it's really good yeah. to see you. Uh, how, how are you? How was your day? Um, good. I worked in the morning, didn't want to. I mean, when do I ever want to go to work? <laughs> um, yeah, and then I just got home like an hour ago. I wanted to take a nap, but I decided not to. Self-control, I guess. So you, so you can do a nice guy podcast, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, good. Um, what, what do you do for work these days? I work at Texas Roadhouse. There you go. I haven't. I can't remember the last time I've stepped foot in the Texas Roadhouse. I was probably like 10 or 11. But uh, you're probably pretty sick of peanuts, aren't you? We don't have the peanuts really anymore. We have them in like little bags. Um, but they're not at the table, so they don't end up on the ground. Okay. Which is amazing for cleaning at the night, at the end of the night. Um, yeah, but I still work there. Um I do a couple different things. I'm also the marketer at our store. So I'm like midway between serving job and like a real life job, but not fully there. Because 40 hours a week, that just sounds like shit. Sounds like a shit way to live your life. Mm. Uh, tell me about it. I think, uh, yeah. this, I think this last year has uh, really uh, put into perspective the... Uh, American work week and uh, just mm -hmm. how uh, exploitative it is of many of us, but we don't have to get totally into it. Uh, I couldn't tell you like what dining at a Texas roadhouse is like. like what what are what are some of your finest offerings at that place? <laughs> the finest offering. Um, we have, I think the most expensive thing on our menu is a porterhouse mm. T-bone, which I've heard is pretty good. I don't eat any meat, so I've never had any of the steaks, oh, um, but I, I hear it's pretty good. Um, and then the prime rib. I mean, it's, it's basically a steakhouse, but bigger. Yeah, because it's Roadhouse and they're all over. Right. But. Yeah. Well, then that has to be interesting. So, are you? So you said you're like you also serve, right? Yeah, I serve, bartend. I'm a trainer, and then I'm the local store marketer. Okay. Um, damn, you're running that shit, damn there. <laughs> I do too much, too much there. I spend way too much time at Roadhouse. What well, What's it like being a vegetarian server at a steakhouse? Um, well, I lie a lot to guests because oh. they'll always say, oh, what's your favorite steak? Right. Or like, what do you like most about this? And I always just say the porterhouse because it's the most expensive. And I hear it's good anyway. But I honestly, I just hate the smell sometimes. Like the smell of ribs makes me want to throw up. I hate barbecue. Damn. Yeah. We probably won't be uh, going out to eat too much, you and I, because I'm a sucker for a good barbecue. Um, it's okay. I hey, there's some really good vegan restaurants in town, though. Um, yeah. Definitely. Next time I'm in Milwaukee. Yeah, we'll go to uh, we'll go to Twisted Plants. You I'm heard of it? No, but I'm sure Charlie has. I'm sure she'll tell me all about it after this. Shout out to Charlie. Uh, big love to Charlie. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's a, it's like basically vegan, uh, comfort food, like fast food, but it's all vegan oh, and everything so is, good. 
Yeah, everything is named after like uh, stoner movies, like Superbad and like Knocked Up and Pineapple Express. Like basically anything that Seth Rogen was in. Like, <laughs> I have to go to this now. Well, okay. Well, uh, let's do that next time you're in town. Okay. As you get older, you realize that like a lot of like those chain like the uh, family restaurants are all kind of just like variations of a lot of the same things like TGI Fridays and Applebee's. Just the idea of Applebee's is just hilarious these days. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Applebee's like, sucks. Yeah. It's I just, so bad. I just think of Talladega Nights. <laughs> I, I honestly don't think I've seen that movie. Oh, that's a hilarious movie for sure. But um, I see bits of it here and there. Yeah, well, they just they get kicked out of an Applebee's and that becomes <laughs> a plot device in the movie. Uh, yeah, usually I try to just like, I'm just a big foodie. So like I try to just explore like uh, all of the dining Milwaukee has to offer. And I try to try one new place a week. That's kind of my uh, the pace I'm at right now. Wow. Man, I wish I would have done that when I lived down there. I feel like I was always going to, um, what is it, Ma Fisher's? Oh, yeah. Kind of thing? Yeah. yeah. The, yeah. the little diner. I was always going there. But I it's wish still, I would have tried. It's still really good. I mean, Ma Fisher's still, like, never fails, though. Oh, yeah. No, it's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, what about uh, in Eau Claire? Uh, what's like, uh, what are some good eats up there? Um, well, the most popular restaurant is Roadhouse. So, but I steer clear of ever eating there um, because I'm around it all the time and I can't eat anything anyway. Um, Milwaukee Burger is really popular, but huh. we don't have... I mean, there are a couple, like, just family-owned places in Eau Claire, but not many. Um, my favorite breakfast place is Randy's. It's literally, like, right across the street. It is so good. But it's just like any other, like, restaurant or breakfast restaurant diner. But it's so good. Damn, so you, you fuck with brunch a lot, don't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what we talked about on Mr. Nice Guy, we talk love and fear, passion and creativity. And so, Haley, uh, so, yeah, as mentioned before, we met, we met in college. Um, uh, were you, were you in a sorority? Um, I think when I first met you, it was at your bat mitzvah. Bar mitzvah. Bar mitzvah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. bar mitzvah. Um, and so I wasn't in a sorority yet. But three weeks later, I was. Okay. And you were in uh, Gamma Phi, weren't you? Yep. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. It's Gamma Phi. It's so like, uh, it's just been so long since I've like mm -hmm. had to think about Greek life like at all yeah. these days. So I forget like who was in what and like, you know, how much that meant to me at the time. But now it's just like, yeah, that was cool. I guess it was fun, but now how much energy and how much like of my own like um, self perception like I put on to like that kind of lifestyle and the things I valued at the time like it really feels good to like you know reflect on it and just how far you've come and like where you know you don't like place value on you know things like loud sweaty parties anymore like. Yep. It, it feels good to be able to, like, just, you know, be like, yeah, that was fun, but it's like, I'm old. I don't do that anymore. <laughs> like, like unless I'm going to, like, a show or something. But, um, oh, that's different. Yeah, that's very different than a frat party. Um, but anyway, so um, so we also have bonded, um, you know, in our, in our friendship over the years. We've definitely, like, bonded over talking about mental health from time to time um because i know that you and i have you know both had our own struggles with it uh at one point or another and um that said um when i asked you to be on the show here um we talked about how mental health specifically pertains to sexuality quite frankly uh 
like I've talked a little bit about sexuality on the show, like in the past, but not very often um, at all. Like, but the two, those two things have a very, um, a, a relationship that is very complex with one another. Um, so that said, um, I'd love to give the floor to you here. I'd love to hear a little bit about your upbringing. Like where'd you grow up and just like, how you would eventually first feel confronted with mental health, whatever okay. you're comfortable with sharing. Oh, uh, I'm, I have no shame. Honestly, I'm pretty much an open book about this kind of stuff. Okay. Um, so I grew up in Owen, Wisconsin, which is in central, like very central Wisconsin. And it's like this stereotypical small town. I graduated with 30 people in my class. Um, yeah, super small-minded, um, if anyone from my town hears me saying that, watches this, they're gonna get pissed, they always do, but, um, just an ignorant, like, there, no one had thoughts outside of the norm, and we weren't confronted with things other than white people, white straight people, and cows. And, and Christianity. So, yes. Oh my God. So much Christianity. Um, and I felt so, okay. Speaking of Christianity, I felt so left out when I was younger and all my friends had to go to Sunday school and all that shit all the time because my mom didn't force it on me. Like she has her own relationship with God, but I wanted, I wanted to like be a God person so much because all my friends were. And then I grew up and I was like, thank God I didn't waste hours and days in church and doing that shit. But anyway, um, and so I went to school with one black person my entire like K through 12. So I didn't see any until I went to college, really. Like I didn't have personal relationships with many people of color until I went to college. Okay, back to sexuality. Oh, so um, I started noticing my mental health shit, especially when I was in fifth grade. Um, fifth grade was when I heard voices for the first time. And like, I don't, I haven't really talked about this with a lot of people, but um, it was just this guy in my head screaming at me about how I was so dumb and couldn't accomplish anything. And it was, especially when I was taking a test. And I was such a tryhard that I, I knew what I was doing, but this guy in my head like, wouldn't stop telling me that I couldn't do it and I was dumb and everything. And this was also around the time that I started recognizing that I probably wasn't only attracted to boys. And so I had a crush on one of my best friends and we rode the bus together and when she was leaving one day she was just like oh let's kiss goodbye you know like adults do or whatever and so we kissed goodbye and we the next time we rode the bus together I was like oh do you do you maybe want to like do that thing again and I didn't I didn't understand why I was feeling this way but I was scared shitless that I was going to be gay um, because one of my cousins is like a lesbian, a pretty stereotypical, like 2000s, early 2000s lesbian. Like you can picture it in the movies and stuff. And she's super cool. But I used to pray to God every single night that I wouldn't have the gay gene because I thought maybe it was like genetics and I was going to be gay because I had a cousin who was gay. And I was just terrified of like not being normal I guess and then seventh grade hit and that's when I started um like binging and purging or just really throwing up anything that I put in my body and then I got caught after like six days um because I couldn't I wasn't doing it well I guess um and my sister caught me and then I got I mean I stopped for a while and then I went through, I mean, my mental health was just so fucked up and I didn't realize it. Am I allowed to swear? 
Yeah, yeah, of course. Okay, okay, cool. I just wanted to double check. DIY. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize how fucked up it was until I got older and I looked back. Like, I had no self-confidence. I was always worried about my body. I was, like, hopeless, but I wasn't fully depressed yet. But my anxiety, that's when my anxiety started getting, like, pretty bad. And then my freshman year um, is when I went like full in on bulimia. And then I got caught again after like three or four months. Mm. And so I had to stop it for a while. And then at the end of my sophomore year is when I was like anorexic and bulimia or bulimic. And so it just, all started to unravel like my whole life started to unravel and the summer after my sophomore year was the first time I ever experienced like intense real like bad depression where I I like was ready to kill myself um and so after that it just started escalating I lost like 30 40 pounds and three months maybe and I was already a small person and then you I did that and I mean I you could see it in my eyes I was so miserable I was so unhealthy and I was also struggling with so much more during this time like junior year is a stressful year in general I was also with my first love and he was such he's such a kind person but he saw these changes in me so I had to lie to his face constantly to um be able to keep the image that I'm giving everyone to make sure I'm not gonna get caught this time and to make sure that I'm not a burden on anyone that was always my biggest thing I didn't want to be a burden on anyone something I still struggle with like it's hard to reach out to someone because you don't want to put all that on them. I struggle but with that too a lot. It's so it's so hard. Because it's like we're so used, like, especially with like abandonment issues, like mm -hmm. we're afraid of like being too much for somebody to handle um with our baggage. So it's yeah. also it's just a lot easier to just not talk about it. Um, because you're afraid of getting like rejected because of it, which happened to me um, in high school. And it's That's still awesome. the, the residual effects of that, like your fears getting like confirmed like that, like never truly go away. Oh, I bet. It's one of those things where at to someone else, it could seem so little and small and they might might not remember it ever like they might not ever think about it but for you know you in that situation it's something you're going to remember for the rest of your life like that shit stays with you yeah like you you, you know like how people like like to joke around on like twitter about where the 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 boy and the girl are in bed and the girl's like I bet he's thinking about other girls and, and the guy, the guy's like thought bubble is like, I can't believe I did that one thing, said that one yeah. thing to that one person like eight years ago. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. exactly what it is. Right. I love that meme. Yeah. So, um, um, as you're saying. Okay. Junior year. Um, yeah. So. I feel like the eating disorders definitely started fucking with my brain and well, no, they, it definitely did. Like, I feel like it rewired my entire thought process and how I viewed myself, how I viewed other people. And I think that that really just like put in motion my entire like mental health and mental problem that I had back then and are like I'm still dealing with um so I started lying to my boyfriend constantly and lying to him about how much I ate lying to my parents like I was eating a cup of kick cereals every day like I 
that was all I was eating or carrots. And I would measure it out. And if I any more than that, I would throw up. And so at the beginning, I was making myself throw up like three times a day. Um, but that's when I wasn't like really controlling what I was eating. And then it got to the point where I was eating maybe 100, 150 calories a day. So that, I mean, that still has residual effects on me, the puking and not eating. Like now, currently, I throw up every single day because my body's so fucked up from that. And I feel like that's something they never talk about in health class or like, in movies and stuff about eating disorders, they just talk about what's happening while they go through it, which is important. Like you have to, it's important for people to know like the effects that it's having at that moment and what it can do to you. But they never talk about what happens after. Because I, I mean, I've gone to five different doctors. I just had a bunch of different like procedures done on me to figure out why I'm throwing up all the time and they can't figure it out because they they have started to think it's probably just an after effect of the bulimia but I think that's so important to talk about because maybe if I would have known this back then I mean I still would have done it but maybe I would have like not has been so intense about it you know yeah um but anyway so I wasn't eating and then I decided to break up with my boyfriend at the time because he told my parents that he was worried about me and my eating. Um, and I was pushing him away. I mean, that's really all it was. I just had to push him away. He was getting too close. He was getting too worried. Um, and we were together for a year. We were like very happy, madly in love healthy relationship mm -hmm. but I was so unhealthy that I could not like give him the love and I couldn't I couldn't have him pushing me or being worried about me or like trying to get me better because I didn't want to get better at that point um and so after I broke up with him I just I went down like it was I mean, probably the closest to rock bottom that I've ever been. Um, and so maybe like two months later, the day before prom, I had a severe mental breakdown and I was crying for probably five hours on the stage in my high school with one of my friends who had just been in the mental hospital. She'd just gotten out like two weeks earlier. And she was one of my best friends at the time. And then prom happened. One of the worst days of my life. I was so depressed. And then Monday morning, I went to school and immediately walked in my guidance counselor's office and was like, I, I cannot be here. I need, I need help. And so I went into the mental hospital for five days. They wanted to keep me longer, but I was, um, like a volunteer, I volunteered to put myself in there. I wasn't, yeah, they didn't force me to go in. Yeah, I did so, the same thing when I went to. Yeah, so that was kind of nice because I didn't have to ask a judge to like get out, but I should have stayed longer and I know that, but my, um, my hospital room was right across the street from Red Lobster. And so that's what I looked at for five days. And so I was like, you know, I, I mean, I could stay or I could go get Red Lobster. And that's what I decided to do. Um, but when I was there, I was diagnosed with just like a shit ton of things that I didn't even realize. It was like major depression, anxiety, eating disorders, mild OCD, and then unclassified mood disorder or something like that which ended up um, ended up being bipolar too, which I, you know, but that shows up when you're in your 20s normally in women. So at that time, I didn't know what it was. But then 
after that, when I got out, um, I started cutting. I, I think I made, no, I attempted three times and I think they were all after I got out and my mental illnesses became like my entire personality. I felt like that was what defined me. And so I didn't feel good enough to be with anyone because I was like, oh, well, I have depression. And so this person doesn't deserve to be with someone who doesn't even want to be on this planet, you know, let alone be romantically involved with someone. And so it definitely fucked with my self-worth, like my confidence, just who completely who I was as a person and I became such a negative like just unhappy person and I took out my insecurities and how unhappy I was on anyone else and like such a fucked up thing to do and I knew it at this time like I was not nice to people especially my mom who and that is that makes me so angry to even think about because my mother is a saint and she is the kindest person I've ever met and I love her to death. And yeah, so the idea... Big shout Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. They're just... Especially... I mean, all moms, yes, but especially my mom. Yeah. She yeah. just... She deserves the world and the idea, just thinking about how I treated her back then makes me so angry at myself because she just wanted the best for me and I just... I treated her like shit. Like there's no other way to describe it. I treated her like shit and I took her for granted. Um, but it ruined a lot of, I mean, it really affected my relationship with my family members. And it took, um, I mean, it took a while to like get back, I, to get to where we were, but like to where we are now, is just way higher and just a more loving place than we have ever been. And I honestly think we wouldn't have been able to get there if I hadn't gone through all this shit. Um, But then my senior year, I started like seeing a therapist. I was fully on meds and I was getting uh, like halfway through the year, I got a little bit better. Um, And that's when I fully accepted that I was, by curious at that point that's what I thought I was because I always thought um like oh yeah I could make out with a girl but I would I could never have sex with one and then it got to the point where oh well you know I would touch a girl's boobs yeah maybe I'd have sex with her but I would never date one and then I started like talking to a girl and I kept it such a secret because an Owen being queer or any part of like the LGBTQ plus community is so frowned upon and they judge the fuck out of you. And so I didn't come out really to anyone like fully come out. And I didn't tell anyone that I was talking to this girl, but I really liked her. Um, Like we would call and text and all this stuff. But every time we made plans to hang out, I would always ditch because I was so terrified of like taking that next step. And then I went to college and within like the first month or two, I started seeing a girl for the first time and I felt like there was a weight lifted off of me. And then I came out just in general I'd always I had already come out to my mom during the summer and she was just like okay cool sounds good yeah. um like the angel she is and so I came out and I told my roommate because I had been sneaking around with this girl because I was worried you know what she would think whatever even though my roommate we got along really well and we were friends so I told her and then a week and a half later she texted me saying she was moving out 
um, because of a bunch of different stuff she said. And then one of our mutual friends told her that she was moving out because um, I was bi. Um, so that was annoying at the time. Like that really fucked me up for a little bit. Yeah. Because I, I feel like it kind of invalidated my sexuality and like who I was as a person. But then I came out to, I remember specific, like the exact time, like I can picture when I came out to my group of friends, like in Milwaukee, and it was Charlie, Jay, like those two, I just remember being like right front and center. And then a couple of our other friends in the dorms, I was like, guys, I, I'm bi. Yeah. And <laughs> Jay was just like, oh my God, that's great. That's oh, so good. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, their reactions were every, I mean, that was the only thing I was asking for. And I didn't, ex I thought, you know, it probably wouldn't go terrible, terribly, but I didn't expect it to go like that. And that's when I realized, like, what good of friends they are. And then I started dating Alex, which is how I met you. Sure is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and that was my first and only actual relationship with a girl. Um, and it was, I mean, we had a really fun relationship. I think Alex is such an amazing person. Love her. Um, She's great. Yeah. She, I mean, she is so kind. She has the biggest heart. And I will always, care for her so much but we I just I couldn't give her the love that she deserved and so when we broke up I went through so many things in my head where it was like why couldn't I make this work with a girl like what am I you know do am I not actually attracted to girls like if I can't make this relationship work for a long time or like, I felt like I was becoming um, uninterested within our relationship. But I also have a tend, to, uh, I also tend to dissociate a lot. So I've been I, I've, I used to dissociate a lot too, and it's not fun. It no, wouldn't recommend. I mean, sometimes. Sometimes it works out pretty well. Well, in the in the in the right context, you know, like uh, yeah. when you when you actually like, you know, try to like, for example, if acid, I don't know, you know, but <laughs> <laughs> but when when it's like used as an anxiety slash trauma response, um, it's very discomfort uncomfortable. Yeah, and it sucks. And I know that when we were together that's what I was doing. Cause I mean, during the time that we were together, I was going through so much. Like I was dealing with trauma that had happened at the very beginning of freshman year. Um, one of my really good friends died and there was just like so much going on. And so I started, I mean, I just, I knew that I, I knew that I wasn't good enough for her. Like in general, Alex deserves the world and she like she really deserves someone who is going to give her the love that she always gives back and, and I wasn't a, that person and that's a beautiful thing to say you know like that right there is like um to be able to like recognize like you know the the beauty that came with your relationship but also recognizing mm -hmm. like you know, the growth that you might have needed at the time or like what you were dealing with personally and like how it pertains to that relationship. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, that's a very mature like uh, realization to have. And uh, and it's just a sign that you have really grown a lot. And, you know, you have really uh, like, um, you've, you've made strides in coming to terms with who you are. And that's wonderful, Haley. Thank you. Um, I, yeah, I do feel like I've gone through so much self-discovery in, I mean, in college, but it's, 
especially in the last year. Like, I don't know what it was about quarantine and the pandemic, maybe spending so much time alone. But I, I mean, I just, I've been able to develop so many, like, thoughts about what I have been through, what I put other people through, like, and I, I think it's so helpful in taking that next step to the person that like I want to be, you know, and to improving myself. Like you have to point out your flaws or else you're not going to grow. Holding yourself accountable. Yes, absolutely. And for a long time, I, I mean, I didn't really understand fully why I broke up, you know, with my first girlfriend, but through time, like, I understand why and it's nothing to do with her I it was 100% to do with me and who I was who I am as a person um but after we broke up I went through I feel like I my anxiety was just on high all the time because I started to question who I was in terms of sexuality um because I was just like, well, am I straight? And like, that would suck. Cause I, I, women are so beautiful and I'm going to have to deal with men for the rest of my life. (laughs) Right. Like that was the worst part about questioning my sexuality is if I would have had to deal with men all the time. I don't Um, blame you. Oh man, it's tough. Yeah. It's tough. Um, but then, I, so I have pretty much exclusively dated as like in not serious relationships because I've only been in one really, and that's my current one. Um, But where you were, where I was actually like boyfriend, girlfriend. So I've only been in relationships with men since Alex. Um, But I have been like with other girls, you know, I've um, like had things or whatever, casually dated other girls. But during that time, like that was like my sophomore year. During that time, I was also dealing with so much stress about how other people perceived me and my sexuality. Because I would get texts from old friends, old friends, or people I knew in high school, and it would just be like, oh, so that was just a phase, like, you're back on dicks now, and, like, just, yeah. People are so dumb, bro. (laughs) Oh, it's disgusting. It's disgusting. They're just like, oh, you're straight again. That's a lot of the the bi erasure that they talk about Mm -hmm. in the LGBTQ plus community, like. It's it's just stupid and, and just very, like, invalidating to, like, just solely, um, just solely, like, pigeonhole people in that binary. Like, it's just so toxic. And it's, it's also very antiquated, you know, because, like, sexuality and also gender, too, like, are fluid experiences. Um, mm-hmm. And I want to say, like, I'm very, like, proud of you and and I want to thank you for sharing your story and sharing like how your mental health like issues would culminate in into like a point where you know you came to terms with who you were and and how you grew into self-acceptance like that like that's that is power like that is love kind of kind of related to um what we were saying earlier about holding yourself accountable and like, mm-hmm. like radically like examining yourself, you, you learn to forgive yourself and you learn yeah. to like fall back in love with the parts of yourself you were taught to hate by this indoctrinated bullshit. Um, and uh, um, I know like we don't have a ton of time, but I will like, uh, I wanted to share just, a couple things um, pertaining to your story um, about myself and my own experience. Like I grew up 
um, you know, in the suburbs of Chicago. And uh, I definitely grew up around a lot of diversity, which I'm very grateful for and was fortunate to. But there was still, you know, as there is in a lot of, you know, uh, boy culture, especially, is like the, these, the, the expectations of masculinity that I never felt like I met personally, like mm-hmm. as, as a boy, like I wasn't good at sports. I wasn't athletic, you know, like I wasn't, um, I was very like awkward and quirky when I was a kid. I still, still am, but I'm trying to play off of like, you know, play into it, you know? Um, mm-hmm. but, um, but you know, when, once like middle school hit, like I definitely, um, even from just sort of like the moment my hormones started, like I always kind of questioned my sexuality. Um, I've like, and I never admitted it until the last couple of years, but like, I was definitely bi-curious, still am, where it was just something I I wouldn't dare share to anybody that like, you know, I, where I knew like, I definitely like loved girls, like mm-hmm. obviously still do a lot. Mm-hmm um they are beautiful women are beautiful you know for real um but you know it doesn't mean it didn't mean that like I still didn't like I still wasn't like curious and fantasize of like oh well what if like I am not entirely straight like what if you know I wanted to experiment like that thought was always in the back of my mind but I suppressed it for so long um uh all the way through college um up until like after college where like I really started feeling like comfortable with the fact that hey I'm not 100% straight I'd say like I'm mostly straight but it doesn't mean that like it's this you know black and white thing where I'm either this or that kind of going back to what you were saying about um like just because you're not dating a girl anymore me and you're back dating a guy means you're straight again like it's it's just like it's so like shameful and annoying how people like always have some shit to say about mm-hmm. like who you who you're in bed with you know and it and it's like for what like how how does that validate your set like is that's it's supposed to like are using it to validate yourself and like what you and like your own rigid beliefs over what's right and wrong like to make yourself feel better about yourself like that's really pretty much what it is is this like these constructs like these rigid constructs of like who you should marry and what your family should look like and uh, like what god expects of you and shit like that like they're all just control mechanisms and uh, but really, like, humanity is irregular. Humanity is nuanced. And those irregu- irregularities and those nuances are beautiful and they're valid. And, uh, you know, at this point, like, I don't care. I don't give a fuck who, know- who hears me saying this now. Like, if they have some shit to say, they- they're more than welcome to. I'm still sitting here, baby and so are you and so are you and um and like I feel like that I I had my mental health shit you know like it was definitely like it manifested at different points at different times but you know I was very emotionally unstable in high school definitely should have gotten help earlier than I started but after a point it hit like anxiety and the obsessive thoughts the intrusive thoughts like they like demolished me in college I was I forced myself to get help and it was the best thing I ever did for myself because I learned to over time even though I'm you know it, it is not an instantaneous fix whatsoever like it turned the clock to f- start falling back in love with the, with the parts of myself that I learned to hate and dread so much. And I think one of them was my sexuality and like how for so long, it was just like, you're, you're just so taught to like, def- especially as an aspect of toxic masculinity, like deflecting any doubt. Yeah. So I, I wanted to share those things and like, cause to, 
in my own like um reflections of your own story to validate like what you're what you went through like like um i relate to some of it and i'm i'm just glad we could be here to share space and confront it no i agree and i just want to say like i feel your journey was was and is so amazing like i i met you before i think before you went into the mental hospital it was like yeah it was like i met you like a month before um mm -hmm. yeah because my bar mitzvah was a month before i admitted myself because that was like my literal momentary escape like that whole experience mm -hmm. the bar mitzvah that was my escape my reality slip from the little hell like I, I was yeah. tracking through. Absolutely. And I feel like since then, I mean, pretty much since I've known you, you have always been so open. Like I remember you um, posting about your struggles and talking about it. And I just think that is so amazing. It, it is so hard to do. It's hard to make yourself vulnerable like that. But I honestly feel like you posting that when you when I saw it, it definitely made me feel more comfortable with the, you know, issues and the problems mentally within, you know, for my mental health and everything. It it made me feel better, but in general, it helps normalize and end the stigma of mental health. Yeah. And like that's why I'm so open about all my, you know, everything I've been through now is because you know, if it can just help one other person to be okay, you know, with all these shitty things happening and, you know, make them feel a little more comfortable in their body, then I'm fine, you know, putting my shit on blast. But yeah. I just think that, I mean, your journey is just so amazing. And I'm really proud of you for coming from, you know, back then and being the person you are now. I'm just, Oh, thank you, Haley. <laughs> uh, you're too sweet. Uh, I that's that's very kind of you to say, and um, and uh, part of me still has like the imposter syndrome where I'm like, I didn't really go, like it wasn't that bad, but <laughs> like that's also uh, yeah, like that's also like uh, a tactic you use to invalidate yourself, but. Mm -hmm um yeah well thank you and you too like i like it was you know really wonderful and um impactful to hear more of your story because like you know i like we always talked about how like you know we related but to hear like more like in depth like what you've been through and like have endured and have persevered through like i mean that's very touching um and uh I've been thinking a lot about how the conversation of mental health needs to directly involve the topics of like why like therapy needs to be affordable and like why like racism and sexism needs to be fucking dismantled from the medical field, like, you know, yeah. in and all, in general. Yeah, of course. Right. Yeah. But especially in the medical totally, right because it's so much gaslighting and and invalidation like to folks that to prevent them from getting the help they need um and uh, just like why like a lot of people especially poor people suffer and are traumatized from their poverty or they're traumatized by the socioeconomic conditions in general you know like like uh, where it becomes a, a, a means of survival. They don't have the, the necessary resources to take care of themselves and get the help they need. And then that's exactly why it's like the conversation of poverty and crime uh, intersects. It's like, well, these people need help and they can't, they can't do anything to help themselves because the government's not helping them. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a privilege to like, like we are privileged to be able to have gotten like the necessary oh, yeah. mental health and medical treatment that we've needed. 
Um, like I'm very grateful I have good insurance that allows me to pick up medication every month. Um, or, you know, other people getting therapy covered, you know, like stuff like that. Like it's uh makes a good case for Medicare for all. I know we weren't gonna get too political, but you but already you know what I'm thinking. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm right there with you. I mean it's just it's so frustrating. But yeah. That that'll be for a different time. Yeah. Well when we do a part two one day, uh we'll get yeah. it. But my last question is just um I'd love to hear um a little bit more of just like a check-in with where you're at these days and just like, you know, where you you know, obviously you never really fully like, you know depart from your issues you know you just learn mm -hmm. how to cope with them but what's been helping you most these days and what's been like been your uh what do you feel like has been um especially in the past year with quarantine and everything and this hellscape of the year like what do you what like what's been helping you like really get by and make sense of the world these days um well so i have a therapist who i love her name's Britta. Um, we've been together Britta. for two, yeah, Britta, she's my girl. Um, we've been together for two years now. We just celebrated our two oh, years. Oh, that's adorable. I'm happy for you. I know. I love her. Um, I've never seen a therapist for that long, especially, you know, like consistently. And so she has helped me through so much. Um, I take my meds all the time now and I have stopped just getting off of them whenever I felt like it mm -hmm. so that's really helpful and I've also I've just surrounded myself with such amazing kind like helpful people who are so genuine and there for me without even a second thought um my and then with that friend group also includes my partner Benton we've been together like um coming up on a year and a couple months oh, or whatever awesome. yeah so like seven to nine months so I guess it's kind of not a year yet but yeah. um he just he does so much for me um and he makes me happier like I make myself happy in general mm -hmm. I don't you know I don't need a man a significant right. other hell yeah you earned that, that shit you earned exactly. that shit yeah I make myself happy by myself, but <laughs> he he makes me a happier person. Yeah. Like just by being him and in the last two months, month and a half especially, I've been going through a lot of shit, reliving trauma. Um, just I was in a really dark place for a little bit and he was just completely there for me and um just having a person like that um like in that moment he was just my friend who yeah. was you know just having that I think is so important and you it doesn't have to be a significant other I was just lucky enough to have I'm I'm lucky enough to have that person it be my significant other sure. but even if it's just you know a friend a confidant a family member just making sure that you have a support system. I think that's been the most helpful thing for me in the last year, especially um, to get through it and to keep my mental health up high. And I've just made sure to make it a priority because that's something we brush aside a lot is our mental health. We don't think about it as much as we should. And so it's something that I take steps every single day to improve and to help with and i mean you have to make it a part of your routine or it's never going to get better you got to put boundaries where they need to be mm -hmm. you know like especially when you've done when you've dealt with like like when when your your idea of like you know loving yourself is just like doing giving so much to yourself to other people for so long like mm -hmm and realizing like who you really are and like what your needs are and validating your own needs like you definitely have to like give yourself the necessary room to breathe and that's different for everybody you know you realize what kinds of people aren't good for you 
you realize what kind of uh, lifestyles aren't good for you. Um, we are talking about Greek life real here at the beginning. And like, there were definitely some talk. There was a lot of toxicity. College is a time to really like find out who you are. And uh, mm -hmm. I definitely don't take back that experience of like being in a fraternity and like meeting the people I met. Like, obviously I met you through it and I wouldn't have met you and countless other great people that I wouldn't have met. But, you know, it's definitely like where it's like you... You recognize what something meant at the time, but you leave it there because yeah. you're you you grew into who you were meant to be. So yeah. And this is I just wanted to add this in there. It's something that I have been saying to myself for years. And honestly, I don't even know if it makes sense, but I always tell myself and tell my friends, you are the most important person in your life. Yeah. And once you start thinking about that, you're like, oh, I need to make that person happy, like yourself, in order. I mean, that's what you would want to do for anyone. You know, if they were the most important person in your life, you'd want to make them happy. You'd want to work on things for them. And so why not do that for yourself? And I think that's just really important for like everyone to do. And that's, yeah. yeah. Because, yeah. Right, like you can only give so much love to the world if you know you're not giving all of that same energy back. Definitely. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. Jeez. <laughs> oh, much blue moon, huh? Blue moons, man. Haley, I can't thank you enough for being on the show. Thank you so much for thank joining. You. No, thank you for having me on. This was so much fun. Yeah, it was. It was. It, we got real, but it was also fun. I can't wait to see you next time I'm in Milwaukee. For real. Um, before we, yeah, we're gonna go to Twisted Plants. Okay. Yes. Hell yeah. I want to go there so bad now. Yeah. Oh, it's it's so fire. Um, but before we go, I uh, ask everyone the same two questions. Um, so the first one is uh, Haley. What keeps you up at night? Insomnia. That'll get you. Um, never, I never sleep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, the second question is what puts you to sleep? Weed. Shout out, big shout out to weed. You know, <laughs> we got to do, we got to do better work on weed in this state because God knows oh, that, oh, yeah. man, people out here are tired. <laughs> yes. Um, I feel it coming soon. Um, I know Evers. I know he re he recently like introduced a new bill or um, was gonna like they were gonna vote on like legalization. Mm -hmm. So I think we're making uh, strides. I agree, but for legal reasons, if anyone asks, I don't smoke weed. Just weed in general puts people to bed, you know. <laughs> yeah. It, we can leave it at that. Um, thank you again, Haley. Um, this is awesome. And for everyone watching, uh, it's never too late to look inwardly at what you need for yourself and, you know, reflecting on your habits and your, you know, and how they interact with your mental health. Like we all have our demons to varying degrees and, um, and especially when it comes to sexuality, like that can be some really rough shit, but you're valid and you're perfectly okay the way you are. Um, you know, as long as you're not doing anything illegal, you are like, it is beautiful to love who you love. Um, thank you for watching Mr. Nice Guy. We'll see you next time.